for a moment. I'm still undone, to be honest with you, with the worship. I was like, wow, I just felt like something going on in the spirit. So we're just kind of like this presence. Anyway, we're going to start this book in Colossians. And so uh, exciting, isn't it? Colossians, yes, we've never done this book in this church before. And it's very close to Ephesians, very similar to Ephesians. I still got this thing in here. In October, I got a new tooth, but this thing is still in my mouth, and I'm aware of it. You're not, but I am. Uh, in the sense of, and uh, so with Colossians, so the Colossians is written by Paul the Apostle, right? Apostle Paul, about AD uh, 61, 62, 63. They don't know exactly what it is. It's one of the four uh, prison epistles that you probably know Ephesians, this one, Colossians, Philippians, and no, not Galatians, darling. Philemon, thank you so much. Philemon, well done, Asher. Good man. He lost the oldest guy, you know. This is wonderful. And of course, it's written to the church in Colossae. And actually, he's never, he never visited, apparently never visited uh, Colossae. But he wrote uh, to the church there because he was really impressed what they were doing. And uh, if, if the, the slide will come up, is it possible? Look at this. So you can see here that it's um, Ephesus right there. Uh, Colossae is right there. It's like, it's like Asia Minor. It's basically a Turkey. It's like a southern mid-Turkey uh, these days. And it's about 150k, 100 miles, 150k, down from Ephesus. And there's this whole uh, area of a lot of churches that he writes to are kind of in this whole Asia Minor uh, region. Of course, you've got Corinth there, Corinthians, and stuff like that. That's where his main part was Galatia, Galatians, and, you know, it's cool, isn't it? Like this. Um, and then you see here that the town was like a, kind of set nicely in the mountains, really. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, so that's really cool. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and then uh, some ruins uh, from that place. Uh, it's cool. So um, now Paul was not here, uh, but you can imagine uh, people preaching and talking and having life, and I don't even know what it is, but it looks good. <laughs> it's from that place, so uh, it's good. Thank you so much. And um, <clears throat> so the purpose of writing this letter is actually found in Colossians 2. So Paul wants to make sure that they understood the full revelation of Christ, what Shane talked about, the full understanding of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, but also it was a warning because later on in the chapter we'll see that these false and heretical heresy, false teachers were around, and so he wants to make sure that the Colossians stay with Jesus and it's all about Jesus. That's my talk today. It's the whole series is called It's All About Jesus, but this is an introduction in that sense in the first few verses of this book. Now, the best defense of false teaching is, of course, knowing the truth, right? It's preaching the truth. The same as if you have a note from the bank, the way they learn how to uh, distinguish between a false bank, bank billiard, uh, billiard uh, note and a real one is to study the real one. And so he's basically saying, I study the real one, study Jesus, and when you know Jesus, you will know if things are fall, false or off in this way. Amen? Yeah. Now, another theme that you can see here, and it comes up in, in uh, chapter 2, uh, next week, or the next, uh, probably the week after, is that uh, Jesus is our glorious king, but also he is the one, is the hope, is the eternal hope in us. He is, the, he is heaven's hope. He was the mystery that was uh, hidden for ages, but now revealed, right, to the church. And that was Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it's really, really powerful in this way. So I like to read this. You can read along if you want to. Uh, we'll just do 1 to 14 today because I couldn't do any longer. Otherwise, I don't pay, talk for half an hour. I, pay for, I talk for an hour and that doesn't work. Here are Colossians 1, 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, 
the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. You can talk with me if you want to and follow me. Just don't slow me down. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Here we go. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us about your love in the Spirit. Now for this reason, since the day I heard about you, we have been not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. What a wonderful gospel. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, right now that you give us revelation revelation of what it means Lord but Jesus God's grace and what's happening in Colossae and what you want to speak to us about today so we dedicate this time to you in Jesus name amen amen what a powerful prayer this is amen what a powerful prayer we see here now Paul is so grateful to this church of their devotion to Christ he said, it's amazing what's happening in your lives. You are growing in love you are growing in faith you are bearing fruit it's absolutely beautiful and of course, this is God's will for our lives, isn't it? That we will know Christ, that we would know who we are in Christ, that we would grow in love, which is probably the biggest thing for us to learn, right? That we would grow in faith, that we would grow into bearing fruit all the days of our lives. Now, the wonderful thing is that all this stuff happens through his power in our lives, through his power in our lives. So he's very proud of the Colossian church, even though he's never been there, which is very interesting. He's heard about what's going on. Now, I wonder, I wonder if people here, I wonder if Paul was here. He's probably watching anyway. Paul said, what do you think about Harmony Church? What if he hears about Harmony? What, what would he hear from this place? Would he hear that we are so devoted to Christ? Devotion? Devoted to Christ? Would he say that our love is so amazing? Would he say that, 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 that we are all growing in love and faith? Would he say that um, we're bearing fruit? I actually agree with Rachel. I think he is. I, I think he would be proud of us too. Because I think it's not like, you know, like this. It's just like, yeah, there's a great culture here. I, I know people, because even visitors coming into this church, that's the best barometer, isn't it? That's like, what do they think, you know? And, and often I, I hear from people who come to this church or are new to this church, they come in and they feel overwhelmed, not just by the Holy Spirit, 
but they feel overwhelmed by love. But people just talking to them, loving on them, accepting them unconditionally, chatting with them, and just making them feel comfortable. What a great thing. Because this is the body of Christ, amen? This is so incredibly beautiful. Now, for some of us, this may be a challenge. Because maybe we don't allow the Holy Spirit to really work in our lives. Maybe we, we're stopping. Maybe we're a little bit afraid of what he wants to do in our lives. And we kind of, you know, I don't know if I, you know, it's a little bit difficult. Or I've had some bad experiences with church or with God or with people. I meet them all the time. Man, I had a meeting last night. I can't devout anything, but honestly, with you, I thought, wow, this is the body of Christ. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything about this, but I thought, no, 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 no. Guys, so many people are in pain. I said, guys, I'm going to do a message one time of, of being unoffendable, being unoffendable, and it includes me, by the way. I still get offended too. But if we belong to, honestly, it's just we need to learn to be unoffendable, right? To be unoffended because, honestly, we have so many chips on our shoulders. There's so many people out there hating church, although they want to be Christians, because of something that happened somewhere. And it's just, honestly, you know, it's really sad. And so we want to be able to make, be the body of Christ, that, that, that things that happen, the pain that happens, that we can absorb this and we can love on people and can guide them into truth and into wholeness, right? That'd be so good to do, you know? So like I said before, I'm so glad that we don't have to do this in the power of ourselves. I love this verse... 11, God strengthens us with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have endurance, it says here, 11, and patience, patience. I call it long, long sufferings while the fruit of the Spirit from the long haul. I mean, look at you. You've been amazing in, in Malaysia. You've been there for the long haul. You actually served for decades. I'm really concerned about people who just skip churches here and there and everywhere. I don't like this thing. And I don't like to say, get offended. All, I don't like this thing. Go away. Somewhere else. Where are the people who are faithful for a long time over the long haul to their marriage? People say, oh, I don't like this person anymore. I don't have marriage. Hey, we all struggle in a marriage. Amen? We all have problems in a marriage. But sometimes we just got to stick it out. Friendships. I'm talking to myself, hey? uh, honestly, I have made a lot of mistakes, but I'm trying to become unoffendable, but also I'm trying to become loving and absorb these things and just keep loving, you know? And that's the hardest thing ever. Like Jesus, it's so hard to turn the other cheek. It's so hard to go the extra mile when, you, when somebody just takes you out. So difficult. But we are called to this, aren't we? Endurance, patience. You know, I can't do this, but God can. See, endurance and patience is actually in your born-again spirit. It's right there. The problem is we live in the flesh, we live in our own mind, and we don't sometimes connect with the born again and with, with, with heaven in our lives. And so we sometimes don't know how to deal with this stuff. But if we do, look what it says. So that you can give joyful thanks to the Father. Because there's joy when you break through. There's joy when you don't react. There's joy when you make up with a friend. There's joy when your marriage is sorted out. You don't say, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to keep it. There's joy in the journey when you walk through something and don't just give up. Amen? But what is the secret to this life? What is the secret to this life? See, the secret is John 15. The secret is abiding. The secret is yielding. The secret is your relationship with Christ. It's your union with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see when Jesus says, you can't do anything. Abide in me and abide in you because without me, you can't do anything. Yeah. Amen? But that's also with changing yourself because you can't even change yourself. Yeah. 
But he can change you when we abide in the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's his power that does it in us, right? Now, I've got a beautiful scripture for you that you will love. It's one of my favorite scriptures for this morning. Look at this in the Passion Translation, verse 10. Then you will become fruit-bearing branches. Everybody say fruit-bearing branches. Fruit-bearing branches. Look at this, look at this. Yielding to his life. That's how you do it. And maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. This is one of the main keys to the Christian life. It says here about yielding, yielding to his life, his life, and then maturing in the knowledge of him and also even the knowledge of yourself in him. Amen? Sometimes we try to do life by our own strength. We are not, we can't do it. You actually can't do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Impossible. Well, you can, and then you become very religious because you go again to behaviorism. You can't do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, right? Not possible in your life. But we are called to live from this place of perfection, of wholeness, of life, of heaven, the whole puka thing again. That's where we're meant to live from in this place. Because when we do, we actually bear the fruit of that union in the Lord. Amen? That's good. I like this. Good message. Good. It's living from this identity in him and powered by the Holy Spirit. Remember that it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not your fruit. My fruit is not that great. Ask Catherine, ask my kids. I mean, I have some fruit. I can be a nice guy at times, you know. And I can do stuff, you know, in my own strength. But hey, we're talking here, the whole Bible, the New Testament, is talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not the fruit of Gideon or Edward. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit which wants to bubble up and express through Edward and Gideon and Richard and Jonathan and Catherine and Pearl through us in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit, right? See, the secret is that everything has to come from this place of union. Everything has to come from this place of union. There's the union right here. It's the engine room of your life. It is the source of everything good that is in you. It's been put there by God himself. You're born in this way. Born again if you are a Christian. Born again in this way. And then we start living from this place of perfection. In some ways, it's a, it's a kind of follow-on from a message two weeks ago when I talked about the whole identity that by your Holy Spirit, you become perfect. Because people still struggle. Hey, I'm, a sinner, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, you were once. You were once a sinner. Then you were saved by grace one moment. And now you are a saint. And now you are perfect. And now you are wonderful. And you're powerful. That's what, of course, Shane understood. And so did I. And many of us in our church have understood that in a born-again spirit, we cannot sin. In a born-again spirit, we're perfect forever, ready for heaven, same as Jesus, same thing. We're united with Christ forever. That's the done deal. It's about identity. But some of you are new to this church. You've never even heard about this stuff before because not everybody preaches this stuff. But it's very important. And then in our soul, in our minds, in our being, then we start to kind of catch up with our born-again spirit. But in this beautiful, beautiful place, it's so beautiful. And you're meant to live from this place. It's not out there somewhere. It is right in here. The problem is that we don't often connect with this. We just don't do it. 
I think our sons group is, is, is really on a journey with this, quite vulnerable and very honest and, and looking at how can we yield and, and, and be vulnerable and be surrendered. It's actually quite hard because we're not used to it. But I'll tell you, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing the fruit that comes from this journey because there's nothing to hide because you're awesome. And then the stuff that's not awesome, well, God will start to do some stuff with that and, you know, fruit, you know, it's fine. But Christianity is not about behaviorism. You're not trying to become anything. You really are something. And then you become something because you are something. And that's so powerful in this way. We're going to not put the car before the horse. And so it's very important that we really understand it. It really is about Jesus Christ in you. And Colossians talk about this, the hope of glory in you. He is the powerful one in you. It's all about Jesus. It's quite amazing, you know, sometimes when you start the Christian life, right, we start with a gift. You start with the gift of righteousness, the gift of holiness, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of rightness. All this stuff is a gift, right? Don't do anything for it, right? Not by works. Nobody can boast. You know the scripture? Okay, so we're all on the same page. All this kind of stuff. And then we start living in the opposite stuff. We have this, and then we start, yeah, but now I've got to become something. Now I've got to work something. I've got to do something to be able to do. There's this kind of double thing going on in this way, and it's really, really difficult. We come into the kingdom by grace. And then somehow we try to get to grow up in the kingdom suddenly by, by works and by self-effort and by, by behaviorism. We get a gift of righteousness, but you try to get in there and try to make it happen by self-righteousness. Now, I call it double dutch. Yeah. Double dutch. It's confusing. Because it's, and what Swain talked about, Shane talked about these two, two understandings of, of Old Covenant to New Covenant. You can't do both. We were never called to the Old Covenant anyway, so don't, don't even go there. But we're so being conditioned by this thing, by religion and by upbringing, about the world, and by, because the whole world is about performing. But the Christian life is not about performing. This is the main sentence that you need to learn today, I believe, is one of the most powerful things. Christianity is not about performing, but it's about yielding. It's the opposite about performing. It's about yielding. It's about yielding. A branch will yield to the vine. It's not kind of trying to work something. The vine will say, snapped in the face. What are you doing, man? You know, what are you doing? It's trying to become something. I really are something, man. I'm feeding you here, Jesus says, you know. Hey, I want to do something. Well, don't do something. Just look at me. I'll feed you everything you need. And then you have your nice little fruit, please. Right? <laughs> right? That's how it works. But what do we do? Right? We get into this performance thing. I've got to do this thing. I've got to work this thing. I've got to become this thing because I don't know. Whatever. Right? It's so difficult in this way. You know, Paul talks about in Romans, he said, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. See, when you not live from this place of the Spirit, when you don't walk in the Holy Spirit or flow in the Holy Spirit, what you start to do then is you start to walk in the flesh. And we know what the works of the flesh produce, right? Yeah. Ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your friend, ask your colleague a lot of flesh stuff and sometimes the flesh is not very pretty and not very nice not very loving not very kind we don't live by that and so we need to live by a revelation of who you already are and start living out of that place you know some people freak out when you have this, this uh, scripture about working out your salvation with fear and trembling well i used to kind of freak out <gasps> gotta work out my salvation well the thing is though you have got salvation already but you're working it out now it's not like you don't have it it's you already have it but you got to start working this thing out you got to become what you already are yeah. Yeah. right yeah. 
And it's actually effortless if you do it the right way. If you take the reins, it's hard because then you do about your, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to be better, I've got to be this, and I've got to be this, and I've got to be this, and then you fail. Oh, Jesus, oh, better. That, that's the whole thing. Unless you are like the fruit on the vine, the branch. The branch is just yielding. Fruit, give some more. Whoa. Give some more. Whoa. Well, that's how it works, right? So wonderful. And Philippians says that, you know, therefore, my dear friends, if you always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my up, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But go to the next sentence, please. For it is God. <laughs> it is God. God. For the Americans. God. It's God. For the British. Hot. Sounds terrible. For the Dutch. God. For the German, what is it? <laughs> Anything from an Indian, Malay, Indonesian? What is it? I don't know. God. It is God. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. Now, who is performing here? God. It is God who does the willing and the working in your life. So what do we do? Yes, we don't start performing and start doing self-effort and behaviorism and trying to be good or trying to do whatever. No, we yield. We yield to God. And yielding comes out of relationship. It comes out of union. It comes out of worship. It comes out of all these things that are so beautiful in our lives. Connection in this way. This is our job is to yield. Yield is the most important word today. And surrender and abide. They're both almost very similar uh, in this way. Abide, yield. See, the beauty about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he puts new desires inside of you to become like him. Now, you already like him in your born again spirit anyway. And in there is the desire to become everything that you've called to be. So then you start, when you start yielding to this process, then you start becoming it. It's very, very important. See, I want you to see something. I saw it the other day. I thought, kind of not for the first time, but, you know, he's, he has put perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect love, perfect, all of them. What else? Don't be quiet. I had a whole bunch of patience, kindness, kindness, suffering, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Everything is in your born-again spirit. It's the fruit. But we got to sometimes catch up to this fruit, Right? And become the fruit because sometimes we're the opposite of what's already in your life. So I say let's flow in the Holy Spirit. I love this in the Passion Translation. Look at verse 12. Now you must continue to make this new life manifested. So fully manifested as you live the holy, in holy awe of God. Which brings you trembling into his presence. Now trembling is not about fear guys. For me trembling is like he's so awesome. Awesome God. That whole thing. Then it says here, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So God is revitalizing us through the born-again spirit. He is then giving us a passion to do his will, a passion to become everything God's calls to be, the passion to do in your life what you're called to be. He gives that passion inside of you. 
He has implanted this. So this surely is the starting point of Christianity. Like I said before, you start at the finish line. This is where you start in this beautiful new life, boom, and now you start living from this new life and start manifesting it into your life. Amen? So good. See, we become what we behold, right? I'll say it again. We become what we behold. You become what you actually look at. So my question to us today is what are we looking at? What are we seeing? Are we in touch with the Holy Spirit? Are we in touch with the new creation? Are we in touch with heaven? Are we just living our lives? And Jesus is kind of part of it somewhere. And it's not at the core. See, where are you living from? What's the, what's the core of your being? Are you living from the core? Love, joy, peace, patience. It's not just the fruit, by the way. It's also the gifts of the Spirit. You can't do anything. But when God starts to work in the gifts, they're available to you. But they're part of the Spirit. It's not you. It's the Spirit working through you. Amen? It's so powerful. It's so powerful. See, our union with Christ, and Jesus was talking about this, particularly in John 15, that our union with Christ, with Christ will produce Christ in us. So yielding is a key for living the Christian life. And so Paul was so excited about the Colossian church that you guys are nailing it. It is so incredibly awesome. Now, the same principle, rest on keys. So princi same principle is in 2 Corinthians 3. Remember this description, you, you may probably know this. Now the Lord is spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Uh, it's actually where the spirit of the Lord is Lord. There's freedom, we talked about this, right? It's not that he's, when he comes to church, ah, it's only freedom. No, no, it's where he's Lord in your life, right? In your relationship, in your finance, in every area of your life, there is freedom. When he's Lord, he's the boss, he's the king. Then it's freedom. Freedom. And we all with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into the, his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, when we start looking at the face of Jesus, we are being transformed. Now, the same word in Greek here, transformation, is the same word that uh, is actually called transfiguration. It's the same word when Jesus was transfigured. Is that transformed? It's the same word there. And it's the same word in Greek of Romans 12, 2, which talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is metamorphosis. Same as born again, metamorphosis. So here we talk about a metamorphosis in our lives. So he's saying about the source of our transformation comes from Christ's spirit and looking at him even within. Because he's actually within. That's a bit weird that you're looking at him because you feel like he's up there. And he is. You know, he's everywhere. You know. But the thing is though, it's being in touch with your born again spirit. But it's worshipping him and giving him all the glory. See, when we, start when we start gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, we are changed into his likeness. It says like a mirror into his likeness amen from glory to glory from faith to faith from from strength to strength from love to love and that's what paul is seeing in this church in in, in colossae see it's all about jesus that's why i love the cross behind there where's the cross gone i love the cross there it is <clears throat> everything is about the cross 
Everything is about Jesus. Everything is what he paid for us. The inheritance, what he's given to us. Amen? And so the more we look at him, the more we praise him, the more we worship him, the more we are changed into his likeness. Come on. From glory to glory, faith to faith, love to love, all this kind of stuff starts happening. That's why we love praise so much. That's why we love his presence so much in this church. But I don't want you just to come to church. Oh, we've got to have a little uh, half an hour. And a man, it was wonderful and crazy drummer on the thing, Dutch guy. And whatever, those people. You know what I mean? And then we go home again and whatever, you know. No, 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 no. Continue the worship. Continue. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? I think, you know, I, you were saying last week, you were saying something that on, on, on average on the, on, the, on, the, on the phone, on FaceTime or whatever, Facebook, whatever, six hours a day or something, average? Six hours, 45 45 minutes online. Guys, but what are you looking at? I'm wondering what you're looking at. I'm gaming. Great. Go gaming for six hours. I don't mind you going gaming, but please spend at least the same time or more looking at Jesus. Because I tell you, I can look at your life and I can see what you're looking at. Because it will be the fruit of your life. If you have more passion and more glory and more worship and more like, I'm just just awesome with God, then I know you're looking at Jesus, looking at his word, you're worshiping him and all this kind of stuff. But I also know when you're in the flesh and you don't go to church anymore and once in a while and you hate your cat and whatever things are happening, you know, then I know that something else is going on and you're looking at some dumb stuff. I love that about David. He actually goes away sometimes. I said, where are you? He said, I'm gone. Where are you gone? So I need time with Jesus by myself. I actually really appreciate that about him. He just goes away. It's offline. Are we sometimes offline from the other stuff and online with Jesus? That's why I worship him. That's why it says the Corinthians, when you worship him, you look at his face, you are transformed into the same likeness from glory to glory, faith to faith. Love to love, and you're being transformed. That's why I love worship so much. You know when I struggle with things or people, because sometimes people can be a struggle for my, for my life. Some people ask me, Gideon, why, why on earth are you still a pastor? Catherine and me. Because it's really hard, and honestly, it is blooming hard. Take the last three years, but you know, you know how we get through it. You know how we get through it. <laughs> He's so awesome, you know. And they look at these people and say, "Okay, well, whatever, bye bye, or whatever." You know, whatever happens to, I don't know what the relationship. We're trying to make it up, whatever, whatever happens, or whatever going on, whatever irritation, whatever anger, whatever criticism, whatever things going on. How do you deal with this stuff? Become the unoffendables. I know that's my next message, not today. One of the ways to do it is to worship him and say, Lord, I just want to give this person to you, this person to you, and I feel a bit of hurt, a bit of, a bit of stuff, and just, I want to just flush, flush this stuff in my life. And I was just looking at you, you know, and when you look at him, David had the same thing in the Old Testament. He was just looking at Jesus, you know. He was looking at Jesus. Isn't it beautiful? Look at Jesus. The last verse, verse 12, it talks about the qualification of us being sons and daughters. He says, God who has qualified you to share in this inheritance we just talked about, of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. How wonderful. How wonderful. How wonderful that we have redemption brought back by God, made perfect, made forgiven forever. It's beautiful. It makes you worship God anyway. It's so beautiful. Father, we thank you so much for your beauty. Lord, we just are in awe of you. Like it says, we're trembling. We come into your presence because you're just so awesome, Lord. You're such a beautiful, loving God, but you're also full of fire and full of power. 
unmatched in the universe. The devil has nothing on you. A little worm compared with you. Lord, you are just amazing, glorious, powerful, and we worship you. We give you praise. Lord, we look to you. We don't look at the stuff around us, Lord. We don't look at our circumstances, but we look to you first. And then I know, we know that you empower us then to face those circumstances and to be powerful and to overcome. In this world, Jesus says you have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Jesus, we want to know how you did that, Lord. Lord, we want to know how you, how you, how you went the second mile. We want to know, Lord, how you turned the other cheek, Lord. How do you do it, Lord? How do you do it, Lord? Lord, we worship you. 